Hello and welcome to the Number 10 Podcast, where we talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. I'm your host, Logan Agan. On today's episode, I was joined by Stuart Singer of Will Performance. He shares a little bit about his journey working with professional athletes and much more. And now for my interview with Stuart. I am now joined by Stuart Singer. Um, Stuart is a director and performance coach of Well Performance. Um, how are you doing, Stuart? Great. How are you? Um, not too bad. Not too bad. So how's just everything been going just amid the whole pandemic situation for you? You know, um, everything's actually probably about as good as it can be. There's, you know, there's been times and days and there's been a little bit of you know impact from a business perspective but um in general honestly health is good family's good um and and work continues to be good so I really don't have anything to complain about great I mean that's all you can ask for at this time that's it it. so to start off I just would love to hear a little bit about your background with the game of soccer yeah so I mean I grew up I was, you know, grew up playing, um, played, you know, club level and, and uh, I mean, soccer club level and then, uh, and then, you know, up through high school age and then that was the, the end of career. Um, then moved into coaching for a while, coached at the, at the high school level and club level. Um, and, you know, but just as have always just been in it for, you know, literally from probably what, seven, eight years old till, till forever, really. I mean, I'm still, still in it and involved in it in, in some way, shape or form. So, um, you know, and now have kids and kids played and, you know, have a, a son who's a senior in high school that's played at the academy level and um, ODP and region, you know, made it to regional team. And, um, you know, so know it now from that perspective. Um, and then obviously in my you know, role as sports psychologists have done work through ODP, through academies, and then up through the professional ranks and MLS and NWSL um, and USL. And and so pretty familiar with it across the, across the board, really. Yeah. So what really brought you into the idea of becoming a sports psychologist and working with athletes? You know, you know, first just being an athlete and, and, understanding and experiencing both the good moments probably mentally and the bad moments mentally that I went through. Um, had a high school basketball coach who gave us a handout um, out of a magazine on visualization. And, you know, I read that and thought, man, this is pretty cool. Um, but never, you know, gave it a tremendous amount of thought, but it de- definitely like interested me at the, at the time. Um, and then, you know, at some point I wanted to become a coach and didn't know what I wanted to pursue as a court. Like I, I wanted to become like a high school coach. It's really what I thought I wanted to do and, and work in a school and realized that I didn't really know a subject that I wanted to teach. And I think what I really wanted to teach was life. And so um, instead of trying to teach a subject, I wanted to, I got my master's degree in counseling and became a, a school counselor and, and a coach. And I thought I was Basically, I was there, you know, that was going to be it. And but the more I was doing that, the more I realized how important the mind was and just kept uh, growing from there and just kept pursuing 
doing it and pursuing it. And finally, um, you know, it was really my wife that said, why don't you, why don't you really go for it and, and, you know, pursue your doctorate in, in performance and, and sports psychology. And, and that's what I did. And, and that really just grew from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you mentioned your wife and your high school basketball coaches, people, have there been any other people who have influenced you to bring you to where you are or like helped guide you on your journey to become a performance coach? I mean, probably a million people, you know, I mean, um, it's probably almost too many to, to, to mention, but, you know, I think just in general, you know, anybody that has realized that um, performing and, and reaching outcomes has so much more, you know, there's so much more to it than pure talent, or there's so much more to it than being um, committed. There, it, there's so much to it. And anybody that's ever probably um, invested in me uh, fully as, as a human being, not just like, hey, you know, go score. Um, think that those people are, are the people that have influenced me to realize there's something more to this than X's and O's. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I think you kind of touched on it, but how would you describe your philosophy and methods of work for when you work with your athletes? Um, a, a little bit art and a little bit science um, is, is really what I would say. But, and, and by defining that, I would say like, you know, it has to start in, with science. It has to start with real understanding of the brain and what happens when, when all of us are under stress and pressure. And, and ultimately that's what performance psychology and sports psychology is about. Um, so, you know, I, I really do start, like when my athletes work with me, the very first part is they're gonna get a little bit of a dose, not a tremendous amount, but enough to let them know what it's about, that understand like what they go through isn't, truly unique to them. It's really, it's, it's kind of the, the, um, the basis for all of us in terms of mental performance and why. And I want them to understand that so they understand that nothing's quote unquote wrong. It's just, this is how it works. And that, um, and that once you understand that, now you understand, okay, so I could apply some skills to that in order to, you know, improve on that um, because it's real. Instead of I'm somehow faulty, I'm somehow, you know, my wiring's wrong. And, um, and so that, that is where we start. So that's like the science end of it. And then the art of it is, is the development of trust, the ability to, to speak in language where they're like, I get it. And, and maybe even more importantly, they know that I get it, meaning that I understand what it means to be in their shoes um, and what they need to hear and understand in order to digest this and make it work for them in the most competitive kind of chaotic stress-filled environments. Um, and I think that's the art of it. So, you, you know, we all need to go to school and, and under, to understand it, but the deeper part of it is that um, you need to know how to uh, get it to be applied to them. And I think that's the art, art of it. And, and so I'm a real big believer in, um, you know, cognitive behavioral, which is just kind of the ability to understand that um, what we think then influences our, our uh, emotion and, and our action. And um, so I start with that basis and, and then we apply skills um, to that on a, 
literally on a weekly basis and then I'm asking them to apply them on a daily basis and, and work on them on a daily basis. That's awesome. Just the idea of taking two things that seem so different in science and art and putting them together in using them to your advantage is great. So does your approach vary when working with different sports teams? Like you don't, you don't just work with soccer players, you work with basketball players, athletes in all different sports. Does it vary between sports? You know, it really doesn't. Um, the cool thing about the mind is that, you know, that you can take it out of, and including male, female, right? Like it, it, it really, this is the way the mind works. And, and at the end of the day, once I get to meeting with an individual, I find uh, their things and they figure out what their things are that they really have to work the most on. But, but the approach doesn't really change by sport. Like pressure is pressure. Um, and in fact, that's why um, the same skills that we do in, in sport might be the same ones that somebody that's a concert pianist might use or, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Navy SEAL, um, you know, an actor, like the, like we're all performing and they're all pressure packed moments. And so the skills are, are actually pretty, pretty much the same. So certainly by sport doesn't need to change much. When you're working with soccer players, are there like specific things that they have more trouble working through or that you focus on working through with them? Not really, you know, I mean, all individuals are, are unique, but, but I don't, you know, find that soccer players only worry about this and then, you know, basketball players only worry about this. It, it's, uh, it's actually pretty universal. Um, and again, by, by, you know, certainly by college and pro doesn't really change much and uh, um, male, female, like I said, it, it, it's really pretty universal. So you, you, start, you sort of started to touch on it with like the college versus pro, but how is it, diff is there any difference working with people at various points in their careers, like someone maybe who recently signed their first professional contract versus someone who maybe you're in a few years in retirement? Like, for example, you have some players in Major League Soccer who are 17 years old, and then you have some that are getting into the high 30s. Is there a difference working with these players? Yeah, no, there's a big difference. That, that's a big difference. Um, um, life experience changes things, um, uh, uh, you know, literal experience in the sport and how many times that somebody's gone through something changes things, what they're trying to accomplish at certain parts of careers, um, for sure, uh, creates change at the end of the day however a lot of the understanding still you know the framework is going to stay the same but what we're working on and what we're focused on can be you know light years difference even even i would say shorter frame than that so if you have a rookie and a third or fourth year pro um it's going to be different uh, just the understanding of the routine and what a season looks like and feels like, expectations, um, you know, all of that stuff evolves pretty quickly. Um, and so there, there are big difference. And then certainly from college to pro, you know, pro is, um, this is my livelihood. This is, I'm, a, I'm an adult, I'm a professional. Um, you know, I, this is my career. Um, 
It has different expectations. You go, you play, but then you leave. You're not going back to an apartment. You're not with a bunch of other, you know, teammates or, or a dorm room and all that kind of stuff like you do in college. Um, and then college players are maybe the first time away from home. They're getting adjusted. Um, they're still in the learning phase of life. So they're sometimes much more interested in, in just learning and experiencing thing. Whereas pros are like, hey, tell me what I need to do in order to, you know, either make the team. And then once they make the team, make sure that they're in the 18. And then once they're in the 18, make sure, you know, can I be in the 11? And once I'm in the 11, can I be solidly in the 11? And, you know, and so forth and so on. And, and it's very, very, you know, career focused, very, very, you know, not that they're not interested in learning by any stretch they are, but, but it's just a little bit different in terms of where they're at in their life. Sure. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier that you work with USL players. And one of the big things with USL is you have some players coming in who are being on loan from an MLS team. Some are players that have maybe played in the MLS and maybe their career is coming towards the end or they're just maybe, or maybe they were struggling in the MLS and went down, down to the USL. And then you have other players who've just only been in the USL and maybe are looking to take that step. How do you work with all those different goals and mentalities yeah for sure um it's interesting and i also work in the in the nba g league which is a similar thing and and you know one of the things that i say about both of those is that it's the one place where nobody wants to be on the team right they they want to be somewhere else essentially and and i don't mean that in a bad way they while they're there they're great and their teammates and all that kind of stuff but the goal isn't to stay there right so when you're in MLS, maybe uh, MLS guys want to get, you know, over to Europe, let's say, but like for the most part, you know, that's the top league in, in the U S let's say. And so they're, they're in the top league. Um, if you make it to the NBA, you're, you're in the top league in the world. And so they're not looking to be somewhere else, but if you're in the G league in the NBA, or if you're in, you know, USL, um, you know, you are probably looking to, to not be on that team. And, and so, it is potentially hard. Um, and one of the things that we talk about it in, in all those situations is, you know, the movement to where you want to go is actually out of your control. Um, other people have to make those choices and, and you don't control other choices, decisions that other people make. Um, so the goal is, is to focus in as deeply as you possibly can in where you are right now and maximize that. And all that other stuff will play out um, as a byproduct of, of what you do. Um, because if you're not, if you're always like, I want to be somewhere else, then, then you can't be where you are and you're probably not going to perform at your absolute best so it's a it's a balancing act because it is true that you probably want to get that next contract and you want to you want to move up but if you're focused on contracts and moving up then you're not focused on the right space so we have to keep focused here now on what you can control um, what's your process look like how do you train how do you recover all the things that go into being good now will then influence the outcome that you want. Um, but even with that, we don't have any guarantees. So why focus on the things that we don't control? Let's focus on the things that we do. So there's definite about that, that it's a, it's a unique um, 
focus typically. Yeah, another unique part of the, just the game of soccer is most most sports, like in basketball, if it ends in a ends in a tie, it goes into overtime, and then you play till you have a winner. Well, in soccer, it, during regular season games, it just stays as a draw, and then it's over. But in tournament settings, you maybe get penalty shootouts at some point after a couple overtimes, and even in the games, there's penalty penalty kicks at points. How do you work with athletes through penalty kicks? Because they're not something that's completely uncommon, but they're not something that ha that's going to happen every game, every day. So how do you prepare someone for something that might not happen, might happen, and then also it's just a high-pressure situation? Yeah. Um, penalty kicks, I think, are one of the most over um, – people players overthink it big time, right? I went left last time. I'm going to go right this time. What does the goalie think I'm going to do here? What, you know, um, you know, should I go high? Should I go low? Should I go, should I try to blast it? Should I place it? They, and, and they overthink it and they're not committed. Um, and I think the, the worst thing that happens in, in a penalty kick is when you're not committed. Um, that doesn't even with commitment. When me, when I say committed, like I'm going, you know, or right corner and that's where I'm going. And, and I'm all in to that. Um, it, you know, it's like, should I go there? Should I try to blast it? Should I, you know, I wonder if the keeper thinks I'm going there. Am I, and, and with those thoughts, you're not completely fully committed. And so the biggest thing that we try to do is simplify it. Choose where you're going and be completely committed to, to that. We're not overthinking it. Um, at the, at the, I'm sure at the USL level, I would even question potentially even in um, MLS, I don't know the defined answer on this, but I would bet you, you know, like some, the, the, the other teams will have such scouting reports that they actually know like where are the top play, you know, if, you know, whoever's taking the PK, they'll know like, hey, 90, you know, 80% of the time they go, they go right well. But, but at other levels, they're not, they don't scout to that detail. So really get really good at where, you know, like where you like to play the ball, maybe two spots and, and then decide on that. And then we also can do a little bit of visualization on that in the moment, which is um, where am I going? And literally in my mind, being able to see that spot, like the ball's going to that spot because the other thing um, that the mind does is that if you're thinking of if I play it too much to the middle, you know, I want to go as close as I can to each to the post, but my mind's thinking about what if it goes into the middle, it's actually seeing the ball go to the middle and the ball actually often follows where the mind sees. So really what we want to do is see it in our mind, like it's going lower right corner and it's there. Um, and then we do some breathing stuff and all that kind of stuff. But one of the biggest things to understand is, is don't overthink it. Decide where you're going and be completely committed to that. Everything else from that point forward will, uh, will fall into place. But those things are really, really big. Is when working with goalkeepers, then how do you work with them in on the reverse? Yeah, I think anybody that's been in the world of soccer for a while knows that goalies are crazy. So, uh, so they're, they're their own beat, right? And so it's opposite with them. And well, is that, um, 
you know, we do, I do a lot of work in, in developing deep attention. Um, what we pay attention to ends up being the things that happen, right? So if I'm paying attention to the wrong stuff, um, then I'm, then that's where I'm going to head. I'm just going to head towards the wrong stuff. If I can keep my attention locked in and focused on the right things, then that's typically where we head as well. And so, um, you know, and, and, but obviously anybody that's ever watched a game or certainly played understands that a goalie, you know, they, they have to be like on point for 90 minutes and they may only touch the ball five times potentially, you know, they may not touch it, especially with their hands, a lot like making saves, you know, um, maybe a pass back, but not, not, you know, like legitimately having to be, Hey, I got to react to this. So the ability to stay mentally locked in and tracking and communicating and tracking and communicating is massive. And if they happen to let a goal in and, you know, goalies like notoriously, they're just furious if they let a ball in. That's my job is to not let a ball into the net and it's there. Um, and being able to let go of that and get back to tracking and communicating because, you know, so much of it is actually about them communicating and making sure everybody's in their spots. Um, best goalies are, are great at, at making sure that their defense does a, a tremendous amount of the work for them. Um, so it, it is a hard thing though. It's a much different animal. It's different than the rest of the game for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, transitioning a little bit, um, like you already said, you do work a lot of sports, a lot of youth teams as well. And you're also a father and your son plays soccer. So how has his experience at the youth level been different than yours when you were growing up and playing the game? Yeah, I mean, it's just exponentially different. You know, like um, when I was growing up playing, it was it was awesome. I loved it, um, but we didn't have nearly the the training opportunities and the and the knowledge of, from coaches that that he's grown up in. Um, you know. His, his coach for his academy team played for the revolution and was the, and then, um, you know, became the national team coach for Granada. That, I mean, that's who he was playing for as, and a lot of times we're playing, you know, we were growing up playing for guys who may not even ever played or they played, you know, like in college in a, at a, on a club team, you know, like, a, that at the college club team and not, you know, or we just didn't have much of experience. So the, the world of training and understanding and, and, uh, and also just like he grew up being able to on a Sunday, Saturday morning, being able to turn on premier league and watch the best players in the world. And, and there is a, a level of development that happens just by legitimately watching and seeing what, you know, especially at the younger ages, the mind can really, Oh, that's the way it should look. And, and then kind of, go out and, and kind of try to perform that, um, that we just, we didn't even have, you know, there were really almost zero professional matches ever on, on TV. I think like the world cup, you may have got to see literally the world cup final, but nothing else. So it's just, it's, it's a completely different landscape at this point, um, for the way better, much, much better. Yeah, definitely. Just the accessibility to being able to watch like a wide variety of games is, so different like and it just keeps getting more and more yeah, um, yeah it's, it's it's phenomenal it's great mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, so how has this experience and your experience working with youth athletes changed amid the pandemic where maybe they had a spring season that got cut short and then over the summer even they probably weren't even able to train together and how does it even look now? Yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal and it's a big difference. Um, you know, like I, I hope, you know, I think if, if just talking like in my home, you know, he did, I thought a great job of staying in shape and staying fit and working out and um, going, you know, we're, we're lucky to have a field nearby and being able to go to the field and, and, and play. And then as things got a little bit more opened up, being able to get with other friends that are good players and they would go and, and train together um so you know pretty pretty lucky like that and i you know i would say that that's probably the best that all athletes could do like literally up to pros i mean that nobody had a better like that's what you had to do you had to figure it out um with no structure basically um and so but you know rules being different um having to wear masks when you play some you know some leagues still do that you know there's there's just a lot of change and i think you know the uncertainty and the the change the difference is is potentially the hardest part of it is is being able to say okay this is the new whatever and we have to adjust to it um but you know i think in general um what it's done is it's reminded people you know absence makes the heart grow fonder you know like at least we're back and we're getting an opportunity and yeah it's not exactly what we wanted it to be or to look like exactly and all that kind of stuff but it's it's better than it was or not doing it and and so i think most are feeling pretty grateful to to at least be back in some way shape or form at this point yeah um com completely agree it was just it's been very interesting to see all the teams and leagues just work their way back and how it kind of like raised like excitement around um, professional leagues and youth leagues all across the board. So yeah. while these athletes were able to participate in sports, how did you deal with just helping them stay mentally sharp and like continue to work on their mental like strength and performance, even when they weren't necessarily knowing when their next game was even going to be? Yeah, I mean, this is the, um, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that in a kind of generic way and then, then can be a specific way, but like, and even for, from a personal perspective is, to me, this highlighted the, 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 the real value in doing mental skill work, um, which ultimately also is a form of mental health, mental fitness. Um, and so, I think for the athletes that I work with that, that I've worked with for a period of time before this ever started, it was like, okay, well, we've, we've worked on things that now we can apply to this. And because, you know, it's challenge, it's uncertainty, it's uh, um, scary at times it's stressful it's anxiety provoking but we've worked on things already and so there's a level of skill already built up plus there's a baseline that's stronger than than it may have been so like the reason i'm saying that is because too often we come to mental skill training when there's a problem and 
you know, hey, I'm, I'm always going to be there for that moment with, for athletes that reach out or for the teams that I already work with. But what if we did it before that? You know, we don't wait um, till the season begin. I mean, a, a, somebody that cares at least doesn't wait for the season to begin and say, oh, I should get fit. You know, certainly at the professional level, you better show up fit. You know, I mean, yeah, you may work a little bit more fitness in that, you know, preseason, but like you better show up at a, you know, pretty much an elite level fitness uh, or you're not going to even, you're going to either get injured or you're not going to be able to play well, or you might get cut. I mean, like you, you don't wait, you, you're already fit. You're already strong because you know that you have to be there. But with the mind, sometimes we wait and we just kind of hope that it's there. And then all of a sudden, if it's not there, we start trying to develop skills. And to me, this is the whole, you know, quarantining and COVID world that we, you know, like for the people that already did some work, I'm not saying it was easy, but there was like a baseline foundation of, okay, how are we going to attack this? And I'm already doing some habits and, and some exercises on a regular basis anyways, so I can handle this. Um, and what we've seen is people that have never done anything. They're just like, okay, now what, like, what do I do in order to get through this? And, um, you know, and I think that to me is like a, this massive, like overview of like why we should be doing it proactively, not waiting till a problem happens. However, saying that, um, the, the best things that we can talk to any athletes about, whether it be up from the pros down to, you know, youth, high school age level athletes is um, a couple things. Uh, what do we control? So start to get really clear on the things that we uh, do control. Uh, get into routines. So have routines. So just because, um, for instance, you know, when it first started and everybody was just like shut down completely and even schools were shut down and work was shut down. And, you know, you heard a lot about people like not getting up, you know, in the morning um, and changing sleep patterns, you know, staying up way too late. No, get into routines. If you're somebody that goes to bed at 10, go to bed at 10. If you're somebody that gets up at six in the morning, get up at six in the morning, keep your routines. Uh, keep fit, whatever that might look like, at least movement, um, be, be willing to go out and move and, and, and get outside, you know. Um, I'm a massive uh, believer and practitioner and teacher of mindfulness practices, so um, I have all my athletes, you know, do that, which is essentially exercise for the mind. Um, you know, journal, practice gratitude, all the things that kind of we know keep our mind fit and focused and our body relatively fit and focused. Um, and those things are massively important when we're in scenarios like this where we don't have much control over a lot of things. Um, so you're gaining back control and, and you're locking into things that we know are proactively healthy for us, both mentally and physically. Yeah. Awesome. That, that's great. Um, as we wrap up this interview, I would love to just hear if you have any advice. So I know a few of our listeners that I have um, have reached out to me and said that they're interested in sports psychology and getting into the industry. And so what advice would you have for someone who's interested in becoming a sports psychologist? Yeah, a couple things. One is, is um, you know, reach out, find people that are in the profession. Um, and it's not always easy, you know, because we're still 
relatively, I mean, it's growing tremendously. I mean, it is really growing tremendously. There's so many more now than there were, let's say 10 years ago. Um, but find people to talk to and get mentored by. That's one part. The other thing is, is that there are a lot of people that are interested. There aren't as many people that are interested in becoming educated. Um, so a lot of people want to call themselves like mental conditioning coaches or mental, you know, and, and they really, they, they, they've read like a, a book that they got from Amazon. Like they're not um, truly educated. If you want to be in this field and you want to do it well, get a master's degree, get a doctoral degree. Um, yeah, it takes time. Yes, you know, um, money. Um, but this field is growing and it would be like somebody saying, well, I would like to be like a physical therapist for athletes. And, but I don't want to go to, you know, uh, to become a, a DPT. Like, no, you got to go to school to do it if you want to do it. And, and you're not going to get a job if you, if you don't. Um, and, and quite honestly, it's not ethical to be, you know, doing it without getting the degree. So, so first and foremost, find mentors, find people that you can talk to, to find out about the real work, um, then pursue a degree, uh, in the field. Um, and then what I can say is literally there's nothing better than experience. So if you can speak at a soccer camp in the summer ask do it for free if you have to when you're starting out so that you can build your you know your experience you can build your network um you know but but come up with ways to get in front of people to 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 do it early on be humble about it because early on you don't have a resume that suggests that you should be going right to mls or or nwsl you know you're, you don't deserve it yet and and so you have to build up um, that experience so be humble about it and and get those experiences and and to me that that's the those are the pathways to to get to you know to to do work in the field awesome well thank you so much for all of your time today Stuart. if people are interested in learning more about you and well performance where can they find you and learn more yeah um i would say the best place is to is to go to my social media which um you, you know twitter is at well performance instagram well performance um you know what i say is you'll never see anything on my social media that doesn't align with um the art and the science um as i know it so i don't i'm not going to put a quote on there from a you know hall of fame player if i don't if you know because sometimes they'll they'll say things about the mind that quite honestly don't, aren't going to work for they're, 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 they work because they were elite um, and an outlier, not because they're sound fundamentally. Um, and so, you know, everything I put on there is going to always be true to, to everything that I teach. So I would say that's the best place to find me. Uh, my website is wellperformancecoach.com. Uh, I do have an app that I created uh, for athletes, um, which is Do So. D-O-S-O, -O, uh, which is in the App Store. Um, and then I have a coach uh, master course on, uh, for coaches for performance psychology uh, that's called Win First in the Mind, which is also linked to all my social media. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking your time to speak with me today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Stuart Singer for joining me today. And thank you for listening to the Number 10 podcast. Please come back next time where we talk more about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. 
Until then, make sure you like, rate, review, and share with your friends. Till next time.